You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Makes sense, right? But how many times have you been presented an opportunity, but bailed because you lack the self-confidence to take a shot? I'm guilty. If you're guilty too, I'm personally inviting you to listen in on a conversation I recently had with the author of It Really Is Simple, A Holistic Approach to Self-Confidence, Alexandra Docheva. It was all false, false comfort zone, false sense of achievement and accomplishment. It was bad. They can be very well-intended, but very ignorant people. But see, the thing with health, many people think they're living healthy and they really are not. And that's why I wrote the book to make it simpler for people. Hindsight is 2020, hindsight is key. To learn that, you don't need no type of degree. Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be. I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me. Hindsight is 2020, hindsight is key. To learn that, you don't need no type of degree. Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be. I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me. The Hindsight Podcast. Hosted by Lee Jones, the one and only, my homie, bringing the past to the present and affecting the future for the better. Alexandria, welcome to Hindsight, the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lee. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, no, I'm pretty much very content with the way things are right now. I keep growing as an investor and trader and, of course, professionally helping people better their lives, hopefully, if they're willing to listen, of course, um, and serving as a 100% health example to them by doing what I preach. And uh, it has been really, really rewarding and great. And now with the book, I have excellent feedback from readers who have gone through it two or three times and say that each time they just learned a new concept and apply it and see tremendous results in their own lives. I had asked Alexandra if I could, if she could send me a clip of, of you playing the violin. And I hope you don't mind me adding it on the beginning of this show. It was so beautiful. It's something about violin music that's kind of, uh, it touches me emotionally. Is that something that you've experienced from other listeners of your music? And, and before you answer that, like, when did you perform this piece and, and why did you perform it? That was the uh, one of my doctoral recitals in Louisiana State University. Uh, yeah, you can if you want to put about thirty seconds of it. That's fine, the first thirty seconds. But uh, it's um, the Shostakovich Violin Concerto Number One, which I really love. 
I love Shostakovich, his, uh, you know, life, such a tragic, tragic uh, life in the Soviet Union. But um, I performed it because we gave recitals as students, as doctoral students, as master students. And uh, that was one of the recitals that was recorded by the uh, students, tone engineers upstairs in the hall. And um, so that's what I, I have several CDs. Uh, this is one of the ones I like the most. Um, I, you have to understand, I haven't touched the violin since 2011 when I started my nursing job. And um, right. listening to it is hard because I was always very critical of my playing. I never liked the way I played. And uh, I still think it was a good thing I <laughs> transitioned to nursing. So, yeah. All right. So I, I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much thank for sharing you. that. So let's just jump into it. Um, were you a confident child? Uh, not really. Uh, first, as I described in the book, which you're familiar with um, uh, these segments of the book, but I was confident professionally for the first nine grades in music school. Personally, not so confident. There were bullies. I was never the popular kid because I was this very fast learner and kids hated that. So, and I was wearing these horrible thick glasses and everybody was making fun of me about those. So yeah, uh, I'm not a confident kid overall. And, but it became worse when I became a teenager in my early twenties, very self-inflicted, poor, poor self-confidence and self-humiliation over uh, lack of achievement that I wanted to be greater achievement, but it wasn't as great as I wanted to. So uh, it was, it wasn't a good start in life. It, that's, that's interesting. And I, and I, I mentioned it earlier that, you know, I, I suffered from uh, a lack of self-confidence and I just, I used to just call it being shy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And now, you know, I look and I was reading some of your experiences in the book and, and how you, in hindsight, you know, you look back and you've recognized, you know, some of those, some of those things, the thought processes, right, on on how you approached different scenarios. And I, I just had low self esteem, and I was um, in in in, uh, in a low uh, self uh, confidence, right. And so I'm still dealing with it. Like when you know, just in just in life, period, right. There are a lot of instances where. I find my confidence is low and I will not do a thing because I've convinced myself that I will fail in that thing. Right. Okay. Um, but that's not always the case. So anyway, I'm, I'm telling you a little bit about me, but I do want to hear a little about, bit about you because in the book, you've addressed a lot of these mental challenges that we have to, you know, overcome consistently and constantly. Right. And just change our whole mental uh, mental state on how we approach these external and sometimes internal things. So before we jump into all of that, because right, I still want to talk a little bit about your growing up, um, your parents were also musicians as well. What instruments did they play? Uh, my father was a double bass player and my mother, uh, she played piano when she was young, but she was actually a music critic. She still is the most renowned music critic in Bulgaria. And so growing up with a music critic who writes articles to uh, glorify or criticize performance, performers was not the easiest thing. Um, oh. she's very demanding and so was my dad because he was the player musician in uh, our house so yeah parents were demanding I um, really would like to address what you said though about your own um, fear of failure if you don't mind going back to that because I would love to relate to you since you said that you won't do anything because of fear of failure I think that's very important for many listeners to address and uh, if we can go back to that that would be awesome 
Oh yeah, we can we can talk about it right now. So Lee, the fear of failure, I, I that's what exactly what I struggled with for many, many, many years. Uh, I knew I was not the most competitive musician, even though I made great progress in the United States because my professor, Kevork Merdirosian, he was he's an amazing teacher. He's now in Bloomington, Indiana, teaching, and uh, his students are winning fantastic competitions and jobs everywhere. Um, but fear of failure is normal. As soon as uh, the clicking mindset becomes when you understand that failure is very necessary to learn. And uh, I could have switched professions five years earlier than I did. So at age 27 instead of 32, when I went to that horrible crossroads, midlife crisis, hitting rock bottom, professionally and personally, it could have happened earlier. But I was afraid to fail. Um, Actually, uh, the profession switch came from desperation. I realized I was not going to be financially secure as a musician once orchestras started bankrupting in the United States. And then um, as I progressed into investing, I became more willing to fail because the mentors I found taught me that failure is a very important part of learning. It has nothing to do with academic thinking where mistakes are condemned and they are a bad thing. So failure, if you want to be an entrepreneur and confident person, you need to delve into problems that you don't want to solve because you're afraid you're going to fail. Okay, so if you're afraid of something, by all means, do it many times. And that's what breaks the cycle of this wicked circle of thinking that, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail, so I'm not going to do anything about it even if I'm not confident. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I say it's a constant thing. Um, you know, just just for me, I mean, a lot of mine was broken just for me. And you don't know this, but I was in the military for 26 years. And so when I, right, right. And so so when I went in, um, you know, I still went in with that that lack of self-confidence, but they give you, you know, ways to deal with that. Right. And they put you in the front and, you know, so I'm, I'm better with it, but I still carry it with me. Right. Um, and what's what's really interesting hearing you say it and then looking at different, you know, celebrities talk about every time they go into a performance, they're they're fearful of messing up or confidence. But then it just clicks. Right. Because, you know, what what happens if you if you do do well. Right. That should outweigh if you maybe possibly don't do well. So you need to learn more new things. More. You have to create wilder dreams. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. As you became more proficient with the violin, did this affect your confidence um, either either up or down? Down. Down because I was trying to learn everything too fast. And my father was going after me for that because he said, you're not perfecting things the way you should. You're rushing yourself because you think very fast. But you have to allow your hands, your brain to process what you're learning and you're not doing that. So we, we were on edge, uh, him and I, for years. And eventually that self of sense of guilt creeped in when I was 19 years old. I All this time I knew he was right. I was just in denial, right? Because right. teenagers don't listen to their parents. Um, and that sense of guilt creeped in, manifesting itself into a horrific stage fright. So I couldn't perform even at a 50% of what I was able to. And that chased me for years and that really, really <clears throat> lowered my confidence and esteem dramatically and resulted in attention craving. Like even if I performed something well, I would crave more attention and approval from others by minimizing my achievement just to extract some compliments from them. And it was all 
false, false comfort zone, false sense of achievement and accomplishment. It, it was bad. I really dug myself into a bad psychological hole over the course of pretty much 20 years. Wow. And I love how you you explained that. Like, I really, I really, and this is this is real talk right here. I really became a fan of yours as I was reading the book, right? Because you really dove in and you you put yourself out there. And, and I definitely appreciate that because there are a lot of things that you were doing that a lot of us do, right? Yes. Just to get that false sense of confidence. So I appreciate you sharing that. So well, you're ahead. able to admit this once you decide to assume 100% responsibility for it. Then you're able to admit it once you reflect on it. And when you overcome it, then you can be helpful to others with your experience. All right, so let's fast forward a little bit. Why did you move to the United States? Because I wanted to escape corruption and poverty in Bulgaria. And uh, the opportunity that uh, presented to me by meeting Professor Kivorkmer Dirosian, he's a Bulgarian-Armenian who goes to Bulgaria, I mean, he used to go to Bulgaria pretty much every summer. He did master classes and people played for him. And if he liked him as a player, he said, hey, would you like to be a student? Uh, you will play in the orchestra of the Louisiana State University Music School. And that was a great opportunity indeed. And I pursued it because I already had got graduated my bachelor's degree. I had earned it in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. So I came to the States to earn my master's and doctoral degrees in violin. I came on a student visa initially. How did your how did your parents feel about that? They always wired me from very early childhood to escape Bulgaria. That was always their thing, and see, because they made a mistake, we were in Mexico for three years between my age of three and six. My dad had a beautiful job, excellent job in the uh, Mexican Mexico City Philharmonic Orchestra, but my mother felt nostalgic, so they moved back to Bulgaria in 1982. It was still socialism, and uh, I describe in Chapter 10 very detailed how they lost their opportunity to buy a house, uh, apartment in Bulgaria, how they lost their money in the Mexican devaluation in 1982 in, in the context of me becoming an investor in real estate. But uh, we went back to Bulgaria, and the, pretty much within a year, they moved back with me. They realized that, that was a horrible mistake. Well, my dad knew it was a mistake, but my mother needed some more convincing. While it was too late by then, they didn't have another opportunity to leave again for Mexico or anywhere else. So they instilled in my mind uh, that I had to practice these very long hours. And I was practicing between seven and nine hours a day, starting from teenage and uh, on, just to get an opportunity to meet a foreign violin teacher in a good, prestigious college and move out of Bulgaria and prosper as a musician elsewhere. What were some of your setbacks um, when you came to the United States and how did they affect your confidence and your self-esteem? Well, uh, for one thing, I had no idea how to use a computer. I was 24 years old in 2000 when I came to the U.S. My only contact with a computer had been uh, several months prior when I had to take the uh, TOEFL test, the test of English as a foreign language. It was a requirement by Louisiana State University to pass that test at a certain grade so I can get a graduate scholarship. Um, right. There was no way my parents could afford an education in America for me. Um, so that was my, had been my first uh, contact with a computer. And uh, in August of 2000, when I landed in the United States, a polite graduate student in the library 
helped me create my first email address. So that was a major setback. I had no idea about technology. Then, of course, the cultural integration. The um, lang- language was okay because I had I began studying English at age four. Okay, now I okay. came too late in my life to overcome the accent, obviously and audibly. <laughs> pretty comfortable with my English. I learned it much. I apprehended m- much more, of course, over the years. But um, communication. Um, many many of the Americans. I, it struck me they complaining was a bad thing, and I was a big complainer when I came here. So it took me five years to realize that was not a popular behavior. This society doesn't tolerate complainers. But I mean, talk to me about slow learning. There was a lot, <laughs> a lot of challenges. Yeah. Let's talk about the book because your book is based off of your life, your challenges, your mindset, and and you had to change the way you thought and the way you perceived your life was going to go yes so something happened in your life the realization of something and you had to make a change so so let's talk to that yeah um what happened was i was employed in the circus with the circus in new york stream 2008 from 2006 to 2008 i defended my doctoral monograph in 2007 but in 2008 i heard uh, from a common friend from louisiana state university that uh Two of the best students of Professor Mardirosian had abandoned music. One of them was going to pursue a financial career and the other one a uh, career in surgery, in medicine. Um, and that was a slap to the face at that point because I immediately thought these two were the cream of the cream in the class. I mean, they were astoundingly talented and accomplished violinists, both of them five years younger than me, which made it even worse, right? Um but uh, that was when I felt this horrible vacuum okay. under my feet and mostly between my ears. And I thought, okay, I've been 11 years in college pursuing the bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degree. I have been 26 years in music only, just like your experience with the 26 years in the uh, military. I knew nothing but music. And that's where desperation really hits. And I understood how limited I was in my knowledge of the real world. Right. I also learned that nursing was a highly demanded profession and that the college for nurses didn't take 11 years. Only problem was I had no science base whatsoever, let alone in English. And that's, that's amazing. But go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I, 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 resolved, I resolved to replace my seven to nine hour a day violin practice with reading the science textbooks, the seven to nine hours a day. And if, in 10, 11, 20, 12 hours a day if necessary, because I also, um, it so happened that uh, I also divorced that same year and I moved into a small apartment. I figured, well, there is no noise restriction for reading as there is for violin in this apartment. So I can read 24 hours a day and I will never show up to an exam unprepared. So I read uh, three of my very thick textbooks. Anatomy and Physiology was one of them. I read them between two and four times from cover to cover before I even started the classes that same fall, 2008. So the summer was a busy time for me, reading um, and building vocabulary in science and medicine. So that, that's how this happened. There was no way back. There was just no, because the question was, are you going to regret 30 years from now if you don't change now? And the answer was always, yes, there's going to be a regret. And I grasped onto that. Let's not regret 30 years from now idea. And that's what kept me through. 
That's amazing. So like some of the some of the practices that were instilled in you as a child, and that's the practicing for hours on hours, right? You just acknowledge that, okay, we're we're not we're not pursuing this anymore, but let's just shift this discipline that I have in this area and focus it here to accomplish a goal. But in order to even know to do that, you have to do an assessment of you and you have to create a goal. Right. Yes. So how how difficult or how easy was that for you to make that switch and to just take from here, add it here and to readjust your course? Mm-hmm. The system, the system that came out of all this experience is simple. And that's why I wrote the book to make it simpler for people, because I'm applying these principles to every important aspect of my life. And I have full control over my life, spiritually, financially, health-wise, relationship-wise, everything. But the switch that you're asking about only became easy because it was simply a no-brainer. Once I had the rock bottom understanding that there was no future for me as a violinist, even though I had invested 26 years of my life into it. And I understood there was no nothing for granted that you have worked 26 years on something doesn't mean that you deserve to be successful in it. You really have to work hard with your brain and heart to become successful, which I had not done because I had rushed through so many years trying to be spectacular without actually paying attention to the fine details in my playing. and. I decided this was not going to be that mediocre mindset anymore with nursing and later on with investing. Let's go into, you just mentioned a little bit, but let's talk about those five pillars. And if you can give just a brief description, uh, the five pillars that are essential. Yes. So the first pillar is health. You must be 100% healthy without compromise in order to accomplish everything you want in your life, considering that the healthcare system in this country is the first cause of personal bankruptcy. And I know this because I've been in the system for 11 years now, professionally. The second pillar is your spirituality. If everything else is good with your life, you will have a flourishing spiritual experience that you will integrate in every activity of your day. The third pillar is your career. Uh, And the fourth is the finances. So the two are different because the career, your employer is not going to make you rich. It's not their job to make you rich. You need to learn how money works. You need to learn the best you can and the most skills you can at your job, how to sell yourself, how to be marketable, and most importantly, how to be really helpful to society. How you solve problems for other people is what will make you appreciate it, want it, sought after and constantly employed, whether as an employee or a business owner. So make no mistake, you go start your own business because you can't take the stress on the job and assume that the business is going to be easier. It's literally 10 times more responsibility if you are a business owner. The fourth pillar is the finances. So the money that you earned and diligently control, and I teach you how to do this in chapter 10, how to attain full control over your financial habits then how do you invest this money to grow your financial base and build cash-flowing assets that are unrelated to a job? And the fifth pillar is the relationships because the people we hang out with, they can be very well-intended, 
but very ignorant people. That's called hanging around the wrong people. And they can influence you to make poor health decisions, poor financial decisions, or most likely both. So how to create the process of prioritization on who you choose to relate to and uh, make yourself available to and how you connect people in your life with your goals and dreams. And then there are also some mind training techniques in the book. All five of these things need to be optimally running for, for you to feel high self, high confidence, high self-esteem, success. For you to be holistically self-confident. So holistically means every angle of your life is taken care of. Nothing is neglected. And the way you take care of it is as independently as possible through your own critical thinking skills that you have developed through the process of getting where you want it to be to where you are, and then keep going. How, in, I think it's chapter four, it's either chapter four or chapter three, how to develop an action plan in all areas that are crucial to your success. So that kind of talks about those, those five areas. That's in chapter two. In chapter two mostly is how I give okay. these examples. Uh, yeah, you want yeah, an just, example, just right? right? Well, for example, with the health aspect, Oh, my doctor said I need to lose weight. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'll start working on it next week when I have less stress. So this is a dead-end thinking. That's no specific goal. You know that you need to lose weight to get healthier. Your doctor said something about it. Probably they didn't give you any education on it. They just said, hey, you need to lose weight, period. So that's not helpful. That's not a specific goal. But if you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to <clears throat> lose 20 pounds between now and two months from now, I will be able to do 30 pull-ups between now and two months from now at the gym with full range of motion. And I will cut my consumption of processed food and toxic animal products to zero between now and a week from now. That's specific. That's action. That is really you're on the goal like a dog right. on a bone. And it creates this idea in your brain and you obsess over it enough to know you're actually doing something for your health. Uh, you need to be in excellent health and at excellent endurance levels if you want to accomplish big things in your life because the big things require a lot of energy. And you can't be wasting time going to doctor's appointments, uh, sleeping, napping because your diet is so full of inflammatory and uh, allergic uh, components that you really can't endure through your day without being drowsy and dozing <laughs> along right. the way. Everything is extremely connected. But once you get the grasp of how this very simple principle works throughout all these life components, then it clicks in and you apply it. It, it works the same way across the board, I promise, with health with spirituality, with career, with finances, and with relationships. It's the same exact principle, which is why the concept in this whole book is uncomplicated and really simple. Hence the title. It really is simple, a holistic approach. So I was just listening to you, you know, creating those specific goals. And, you know, for a lot of business people, we'll deal, we deal with metrics and measurable, you know, metrics and things like that. And it almost sounds like the same thing. So it's, it's a skill that at least for business people that deal with data and stuff like that, that you already have. And now you just apply it to your life. That's pretty cool. Cause it's funny. It's like, it's like, um, you're talking directly to me cause uh, my doctor said, Hey, you have to lose weight. And I'm like, okay. And then I look at my Fitbit app 
and I see that I should be at a certain weight, but I really haven't come up with a concrete plan on how I'm going to do it, right? Doesn't it make sense to apply what you know from one area of your life that it works beautifully into all other aspects of your life and pursue the exact same way? You don't have to create, to move mountains and reinvent the, reinvent the wheel in every other aspect. But see, the thing with health, many people think they're living healthy and they really are not because the knowledge out there is not pushed on the general public appropriately. It's very based on um, corrupted principles, corrupt principles in the healthcare system. So uh, the specific examples I give in chapters three, four, and five, and seven on uh, all this dieting and detox strategy that I'm using, I think it will be very helpful to people because it's highly specific, highly specific and practical. Um, so I think that's uh, well, I dedicated five chapters to health because I'm very biased towards health. But um, the point is, it's just that fundamental to your success and people neglect it. Okay. So Alexandra, give me something that I haven't asked you to give to my audience or to specifically tell me to help me out personally. Okay. So I do consult people when they want to, but before I consult anybody, I tell them, please get the book first, get the book it's in e-book format and paperback through my website. A book is the most inexpensive way to learn and improve your life if you apply the principles described in the book. An e-book is $9.99, paperback $25.95. Consulting session, much more expensive, right? I mean, you've consulted other people. You know how lawyers, doctors charge, I mean, consultants. Before you really get into... Uh, wanting to have your hand held by anybody, please read, I mean, uh, get this book and see what you think. If, if, if you have questions after that, I'm very approachable. Absolutely. I'll talk with you. I'll consult you, all right, okay? But but please read the book because it's so, exp- I put all of my passion in it and I haven't held anything back. I'm very honest in the book. I'm not always kind. I admit that I'm not always kind. We had arguments with my publisher and uh, ed- editor when he said, your, your language can be a little bit abrasive. I said, well, you have to get some points across because otherwise we can't sugarcoat anything. It's going to be yet another sugarcoated uh, piece of uh, reading piece that um, it won't make an impact. But it's making an impact because people see, oh, that is true. That doesn't sound pleasant, but actually it rings a bell and it touches people in a different ways, um, relates to them. And um, that's what I can say. I mean, go get the book. It's on the website. Uh, it's www.holisticselfconfidence.com, no dashes. And the ebook and paperback are freely available in the United States. The ebook is purchasable worldwide. Kindle version is on Amazon. Thank you. I really had a good time talking with you today. The book is amazing, everyone. I'm still reading it right now and learning, and and I'm sure I'll be giving you a call later on, Alexandra. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Lee. Okay. You take care now. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight is key. To learn that, you don't need no type of degree. Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be. I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight is key. To learn that, you don't need no type of degree. Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be. I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me.
Hindsight is 2020, hindsight is key. To learn that, you don't need no type of degree. Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be. I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me. Hindsight is 2020, hindsight is key. To learn that, you don't need no type of degree. Learn from the past, see what the present gonna be. I'm a wise man, look at these blessings on me.